0: And my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honored to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. On April 16, 2009, Kim Hamer watched her 44-year-old husband take his last breath. During his illness and after his death, she was amazed by the helpful ways their co-workers, bosses, friends and family supported them. Kim started calling their kind actions acts of love. After the death of her husband, Kim, a HR leader, noticed that managers receive no guidance when navigating cancer or death on their teams. She set out to change that, combining her personal experience with her professional knowledge and leadership skills. Kim launched 100 Acts of Love, a consultancy that provides tools to help leaders increase team productivity, trust and engagement when cancer affects the whole team member. She is also the author of 100 Acts of Love. A Girlfriend's Guide to Loving Your Friend Through Cancer or Loss. Kim and I both know we were destined to meet. This was most certainly not by chance. The universe knew exactly what it was doing. You may not notice it, but both of us were on the verge of tears a few times in this episode, so we both hope it helps someone out there. Welcome, Kim, to the Ethical Evolution.
1: Well, it is so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'm just as excited as you are at the moment. Um, and um, I am so um, honored uh, to be with you today. Um, for those who don't know who you are and what you do, can you tell us a bit about your story?
1: Sure. So um, I right now, my, my, what I do is I help managers who don't know what to say or how to and often are afraid to work with employees who are going through cancer, loss, um, or really kind of any kind of health crisis that affects work. Mm. Um, And I, you know, as everyone usually surmises from what I do, they're like, what's your story behind Mm -hmm. it? Um, And so I like to start at a place where I was sitting in an exam room with my husband and a doctor, and the doctor was talking about treatment options for cancer. And I stopped listening when the doctor said, you're not going to be able to work for probably six or seven months. Mm. And he was actually talking to my husband. Um, He had stage four cancer, which means that it had spread to different parts of his body. And we didn't have six or seven months worth of savings in our account at that time. And I just, I couldn't, you know, there was already a lot of information coming in at us. I just couldn't take in anything after that. A couple of days later, I heard my husband on the phone. I heard that I knew he was talking to his boss and he just sounded different. You know, people's tones change. And so I was, you know, walking towards the study and I get in there and he's hung up the phone and I said, what did Tom say? And he kind of like looked at me shocked. And he said, Tom said that they're going to cover my salary for the full time that I'm getting treatment. Wow. And we both started to cry. Um, And it was sort of at that point that this idea was born in my head. But I didn't even realize it at that time. So, my husband had large B cell lymphoma, stage four. He was lucky enough that he got incredible treatment, and we didn't have to worry financially at that point, um, that he beat it seven months later. He got himself disentangled, I like to say. Mm -hmm. And then the cancer came back less than two years later, and he died um, four months after that at the age of 44. Um, We had three kids at the time who were 12, 9, and 7. And one of the things I noticed while he was sick and after he died was that so many people didn't know what to do and so many others did. And it really began to puzzle me, like, how did his boss know that this was something that he needed to do? Like, I didn't really understand that. And how did someone else know that saying something like, stay strong, was not helpful? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how could someone not know that it wasn't helpful? Um, and so after a few years after he died, I sat down and I wrote a book. And I wrote a book called 100 Acts of Love, A Girlfriend's Guide to Loving Your Friend Through Cancer or Loss. And I wrote it, you know, the saying is with women, one in three of us is going to get cancer. Mm. The other two need to know how to support, right? Mm. They need to know what to say, what to do. So um, I wrote it with that in mind because at the time there wasn't, there were a lot of information out there. If you have cancer, there's a ton of information out there. It's almost too much, Mm. but there's not a lot out there for anyone who wants to support their friend, their family member, their coworker, or their employee going through cancer, Um, at that time also, I went back to the workforce. I was previously in HR and I went back into HR and guess what I noticed, Bindi, that people in HR and managers also don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and how to talk to people with cancer, how to manage them. And, you know, being in HR, I noticed that it has an effect on the productivity of the team, the retention Right. The ability for the employee engagement as well. And this is something that I just don't think a lot of people don't think about, you know, but we are now post-COVID. We are in a, you know, war for talent, as been as mm. said, and it's not going to let up any time because there just simply aren't enough people in the world for the jobs that we now have. So it really behooves companies to really take a fuller look at their teams and you know we're also focusing on well-being and, and wellness at work. So this is really kind of all tied in together. So um, last year I started to put together pieces of a consulting agency, and I am you know I, I've, I've launched it, and now I you know help managers know what to say when an employee has cancer and how to find how to be brave and have those really impactful conversations that affect the manager, the employee dealing with the crisis the team, and overall, the company's revenues.
0: Kim, oh my gosh. Um, so much to unpack there. First of all, can I please just say oh, I'm so sorry for your loss.
1: Thank you
0: um, so much, Pindy. But I love that you've actually taken your pain and you've turned it into purpose <clears throat> to actually help others. Um, and that is going to have a ripple effect. But, you know, you, you are definitely right. Um, I don't know anyone who has not been touched by cancer in yeah. some way. Um anyway um yeah. and even you know accidents illness those kind of things happen to our co-workers and depending on where you work that the work culture and how much that person meant to you that can have a huge ripple effect through a business um exactly i i remember um oh gosh it was probably about 15 years ago now um, I worked in a very large organization and um, one of the managers ended up in a freak accident and it was a motorcycle accident. And she she died. And um, that ran through that entire organization. Like it was just you could feel that energy just go through the place. And that yeah. that impacts productivity, uh, well-being, um, engagement, you know, people just have to grieve. they need that space, you know?
1: Absolutely.
0: And most recently, yeah. Um I just I just lost a cousin um recently um to cancer mm, and I'm so sorry. And it is hard to talk to someone when you're not used to talking to them about that. And it's like yes. He wanted to hide away. He didn't want to talk to anyone. He was like, "Oh, you know, don't tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know." And the next thing he was gone. And yeah. I can remember the last thing I said to him, don't you dare hide on me. <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, he thanked me for that cuz I was being real with him. I wasn't sugarcoating anything. I was like, I know you. Don't right. do this. And yep. and so I didn't do the be strong do you know any of that kind of stuff. Yep. I just I was being real. And yeah. because he was still a person. You know, he's not the disease. And this is the thing is that we we give it a label and we think that person has become that disease and there's nothing more to them, which, Great. you know, is probably what fuels how people react to this il- this illness. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually um, a well-known um, Australian artist here who's uh, got cancer at the moment and it's terminal, um, and, and he actually said, I don't want people to say to me, stay positive because that yes. doesn't cure cancer.
1: Yes. Yes. That is on the list of things not to say.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, so if we're in a situation where someone we love, um, or even someone we work with, um, tells us that they've got a diagnosis, what's the first thing we should say?
1: Well, I'm going to kind of skip a little bit back. So I have a five step process that I recommend for every, you know, it can be for a personal, you can walk through it or, for, you know, or it's a team. And really the first thing, if you have the chance, which often sometimes doesn't happen is to really just acknowledge your feelings. Mm. Because I think that what happens is we get really tight, like emotionally tight, when we're afraid of what could possibly come up. Yeah. Right? So if someone if you're working with a client and they have cancer and you're thinking about your cousin, you know, it's possible that you could cry during a meeting, mm. right? And and nobody, you know, we're still not navigating emotions at work well. And so that that's a terrifying thought that I'm going to get in this room with my boss and I'm going to hysterically cry or you know, maybe maybe you just lost your mom to cancer and you just found out your friend has cancer or your employee has cancer. Or Or maybe your parent, you know, like my kids, you know, their father died of cancer when they were young. So it could trigger all sorts of feelings. And there's nothing wrong with the feelings. What happens to most of us is we judge them. Mm. And so we judge them as inappropriate or appropriate. We judge them as bad or good. We judge them as timely or not timely. And that really ends up you know, kind of pushing down our own feelings. So I recommend like, I will have people write, you know, about what does it mean to you when someone tells you they have cancer, right? We all have our own experiences. Some of us have had no experience and all we see is bald people on TV or Mm. on TikTok. Mm. So we think that's what cancer is, but it's really important that you get all those ideas and feelings out on paper. Once you have that out on paper, you can actually figure out what to say. But I get that most of the time we don't have time to kind of get through that. So what I often tell people right off the bat is the first thing never to say is don't say, if you need anything, let me know. Mm. And it's a really good phrase. It feels really helpful. I used to say it all the time until I was on the other side of it. And there are three reasons it's not helpful. One, what is anything? I mean, really, anything is too big. You know, Bindi, I could be like, maybe I need to get you a new mic or, you know, I know that you're sick and your dry eraser, dry erase things just went out. Like, do you want that? Or do you want me to fly over there and take care of your cat? I don't know if you have a cat, but you know. <laughs> so anything is too big. At the first time when my husband was diagnosed, I had a toddler. Does that mean that you were gonna just take I live in LA, we take care of our cars. We're obsessed with keeping our cars clean. So does that mean you were gonna take your just detailed car and go pick up my snot nose, sniffling, (laughs) coughing toddler at preschool? Or did you mean that you were willing to go pick up a gallon of milk for me, right? Like Mm. anything is too big. The second reason it's not helpful is because you're asking the person in crisis to take apart their day and to find one thing that you might that you may be meant by anything. And when you're in crisis, your head is out the door. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't have the brain mental energy to do these type of things. So, you know, I would, someone asked me anything and, and, and beyond meals, I couldn't think of anything. I really couldn't. It was my friends who came to me and said, we should make the kids lunches for you and deliver it to you on Sunday. And I was like, oh, right, that's a good idea. Then I was like, oh, wait, what about the sandwiches? And they said, we can provide you with all the things so the kids can put together their sandwiches, right? But that idea never dawned on me. Mm. Um, You know, the idea that, that someone would get me, I was complaining about a light fixture that was in my kid's room that wasn't working. And someone said, oh, I'll get you a handyman that idea would have never crossed my mind. So, so you're asking someone to break down their day into small pieces and that's almost impossible especially under crisis. Mm. Now, let's just say Bindi, let's just say that you figure out the one thing that you that you need and you're willing to ask me. You are like when you're in crisis, you're like a well-dressed nerve or maybe you're not even that well-dressed, right? Everything feel it's like it's like being out in the wind I don't know naked I don't naked and wet mm. that's what it's like right every little breeze that comes by you feel so you're feeling very vulnerable and now now you're expected to gather the courage to come to me to ask you to do something that I may not have meant by anything right and so all of a sudden you're you know I'm not going to take that risk mm. you know I'm not going to take the risk of of Burdening you. I know you have a busy life. I don't want to, I don't want to burden you with my little thing that I need to get done. And worst of all, I don't want to hear this. Oh, um, mm. can I, you know, like that hesitation. Yeah. Right. So I'm not gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything for me unless you're like my bestest friend. And I, in which case I'm going to whip out a list and be Mm. like, here are all the things, pick one. Mm. Um, So that's usually what happens. And we don't think about that when we offer that because in the moment it feels really helpful. And in the moment we really do mean anything, but we all have our limits. So one of the things I often tell people is to be as specific as possible, right? So just, you know, Hey, I will walk the dog for you every Friday. What time does you like to walk the dog at five? Great. I'll be there. Mm. Right. Be as specific and offer more than once, because like I said earlier, that person's in crisis and they are probably not going to remember what you offered. So offer more than once. Um, So that's sort of the really, that's like what you do when you close, but you know, there is nothing wrong with acknowledging like what you just did. I'm so sorry for your loss, right? Or even better, I'm so sorry about your husband's death. I'm so sorry that you had cancer, that you have cancer and this is part of your journey. You know, my heart hurts for you. I don't know what to say. That is brilliant when you say that because honestly, their crisis right now is unspeakable.
0: Mm. It,
1: It feels like, how can this be happening to this person, to someone I know? So to say, I'm so sorry this is happening, and I don't know what to say, and just stop talking at that moment and let the gravity of the situation sit between the two of you. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanized with Blue Tulusma a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electric as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electric Electric And you can do this at work. And in fact, I recommend that you do this at work because what you're doing in that moment as the employee or employer or the co- sorry, an employer or the, or the co-worker is you're acknowledging the gravity of the situation. And if we take a big step back to the world we're in right now, we all want to be acknowledged Right? We all want to be like, hey, you know what? Your life sucks right now. And that's, you know, that's, that's an okay thing to say. It really is. It's, it's like you know, if you're with your friend, you're like, wow, it sucks. And your friend can go, yeah, it does. And you can have a little bit of a laugh. But acknowledging what they're going through is really the most important step. And it's the first step in moving forward to being as helpful as you possibly can.
0: Mm, and I, and I think that's a really key step that I think we sometimes miss is is just making that space. You know, um, we feel we've got to fill the void, but really we need to make the space uh, for acknowledgement and just just to be safe in that space and let happen whatever needs to happen. Um, and you know, yes. you were, you were talking about the feelings before, and you know, I think a lot of us. Um, aren't comfortable with just letting that out and expressing what we're actually going through. And that's, that's actually all part of the healing, you know, Um, and making space for that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways you don't have to, you know, if you're, if you're the receiver of the news of someone's cancer, you don't have to cry right there. You can go, you can, you know, look, I, I belong to a support group of widows and we used to say the best thing was our commute to work because we would cry all the way into work Mm. and dry our eyes and reapply the mascara. And then we would cry all the way home. Right, So so you don't necessarily have to even acknowledge the feelings publicly, but it is really important that you acknowledge them because they leak out of you. Mm. And and that's where those statements of stay strong, be positive, come from. They sound like they're sort of helpful, but they're not. Mm. And what you're doing when you say things like that is you're saying to them, I cannot deal with your issue. I am not going to have any emotions. I don't I absolutely do not want to connect. So I'm going to say this thing. It's like a mic drop. I feel like i am done good. I've said my thing and now I'm off to my life, right? Mm. And that's not, that's not helpful. It's not helpful to them, but it's also not helpful to you because again, you're sort of avoiding, but if we don't acknowledge those feelings, that's tends to be what happens is we get to spaces where we're uncomfortable. And that's when we say things that are just, you know, not meaning to be mean, but are just downright mean.
0: Mm. And as a, as a HR professional, you would see, you know, how things outside of work impact inside of work, right? Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, like recently when, when my cousin passed, it was also on a day when I got other bad news at work that was quite life-changing, and people were thinking I was reacting to that when I wasn't. It was actually, sure. and, and they were like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. And right. <laughs> so it was like exactly. they, they had my whole reaction confused because yeah. I was grieving and yes. they thought I was pissed off about work. And I'm like, uh, right. no. <laughs> right,
1: right. Right now I don't care much about work.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah. you and your drama, I just don't care about right now.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: and, and I had to open up and just go, look, I'm going to get real with you. This is, this is what's going on. And this is why I'm reacting this way. It's not for what you think it is. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that can happen. And I I had one of my staff come to me this week and actually say, you know, um, Monday I was like really stressed because I had a lot of stuff going on outside of work because they're buying a house and finance and all this kind of stuff. And, and she said, and I know I got a bit, a bit stressed and emotional and started to leak out into work and I wasn't able to focus and I got it, you know, a bit, charged and I was like if you ever want someone to talk to you 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 can come to us um it's a safe space without judgment whatever you need to talk about we're here yeah yeah
1: and I think you know Bindi I mean I think that you the fact that first of all the fact that your staff member felt comfortable coming to you says a lot about how you manage and also um you know creating that safe space you know because and she noticed that it was leaking out of her and I think there are really kind of people who don't notice that it's leaking out of them. We're like I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. And it's clearly something wrong with what they say, right? Mm-hmm. Even the way they say it. And then those of us who know things are leaking out of us and we just can't, we can't figure out why. And we're trying really hard to manage it and like contain it. And we can't quite contain it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. And so the next thing I tell people to do is do sort of an assessment. Mm-hmm. So assessments happen at all different levels, right? They happen at the company level. What do we do as an organization to support our employees when they're in crisis, right? And it can be everything from we give all employees, if anyone's going through cancer, we give them $100 um, you know, share, share ride gift cards so they can get back and forth to these treatments without any trouble. Um, or we pay for car service, right? If it's that kind of company or, you know, so they can figure out the company level Level. at the manager level this is where this is where it's really important you need to assess one the employees you know what the employee does at work but you also want to assess what the employee needs mm. um, so here in the united States we have very strict laws about sharing medical information amongst other employees. Um, And it's really meant for doctors, but it spills out into the workplace as well. And so um, the general rule is if I come to you and tell you I have cancer, you cannot go to all your peers and be like, oh, my God, did you hear Kim has cancer? Mm. Like that. If I come to you and say I have cancer, you can say, not right off the bat, of course, because that wouldn't be good, but you can say, are you okay if I share this information? The other thing you can say in the United States is, I really would like you to go to HR and tell them, or I'd like to share this information with HR because they have tools and things that will help you. So you want to assess that. Your employee's treatment, they don't have to tell you what, they don't have to tell you anything. They don't have to tell you that they have cancer, but you can certainly ask, how is this going to affect work? And they may say, I need Thursdays and Fridays off. And you go, okay. So for how long? Four months. Okay. So our next conversation is going to be about the work that you're doing. And how we are going to shift work priorities around you and the team to talk to, to figure that out. So that's sort of the assessment phase phase. And I also like to have the employees do the assessment phase. Now, if you're a friend and you're doing the assessment phase, you're looking at, okay, how what's my relationship with them? What am I capable of doing for my, for them right now? Cause I think sometimes we think that if I can't deliver meals every single day, I shouldn't be helping, right? Like I need to come in and just do something big and grand mm. and large. And I am not here because of the big grand and large things that people did. I am here because of the small little things that people did that helped ease pain for the moment. Right? Mm-hmm. So I really want everyone to know you don't have to deliver meals. One of my favorite tips in the whole world is next time you're going to the grocery store, call up your friend and say, I am heading to the store. What? F- open up your cabinets and your refrigerator. What five things are you almost out of? I'm going to pick them up and drop them off, right? It's so easy to do. You can even do it just once, mm-hmm. but it's a really nice way to just provide support. So it's really understanding what you're capable of you know and not being ashamed of that you know look y'all i'm not i'm not going to bring you a meal i'm not i am not a cooker I, it stresses me out to think about what goes with chicken and like <laughs> putting everything together and the timing stresses me out but I will go grocery shopping for you like nobody's business. (laughs) And if that store doesn't have that item, I will be there at 7 a.m. to meet that truck, to get that item off that truck to make sure it gets to your door. So that's my helping superpower. Mm. We all have them you know, some of our helping superpowers are you're the one that they can call at 2 a.m. to go to the grocery store to buy tampons, mm. right? Like, like so that may be your super helping power. You're not the one who's gonna call every day. Your superpower may be telling jokes because that's the kind of relationship you have with them. So that's your superpower. So we usually all have more than one, but I think it's really important that we take the moment to assess, you know, what's our relationship with this person and what's, what's my helping superpower? What am I comfortable doing? Because if you're gonna help, there's two people that are benefiting from it. It's not just the person you want to help, but it's also you. Mm. And don't, the whole martyrdom thing, I'm helping and I'm I missed, you know, I'm late for the meeting because I had to bring Janice coffee, and that's just that's not helpful. Um, so I think that's a really important part to do. And then the next thing you could do is that's where the thoughtful action comes in. So that's where you get to see what is it can I do? What am I, you know, what do I want to do? What can I do right now or what do I need to wait till next week to do? Um, at work, you know, that's really coming up with a work plan and coming up with a communication plan. So it's not just the employee telling you they have cancer. It's how do they want this information revealed to others? Do they want it revealed to others? And if they do want it revealed to others, do they want to do it? Do they want email to go out? Do they want it announced on a Slack channel? Are there certain things the employee does not want to hear from people? Like maybe the employee is like, you know what? Do not come. And touch my shoulder with the big puppy eyes and go, how are you? Mm. Like, don't, you know, most people who are on the other side of this hate that, Mm. right? They hate that because they just feel so intrusive, right? But maybe the employee is okay with, hey, how are you today? Right? That's an okay question to ask, hopefully. So it's really understanding all those little pieces that go into it. And then it's when you have a work plan. It's really taking the time to revisit that work plan because mm. I can tell you, my husband probably could have worked the first month after chemo. The second month after after third round of chemo, no way could he have held a job. No, nah. you know, yeah. because it has the it has you know accumulating effect. Um, Some cancers don't require chemo. Sometimes it's immunotherapy. Sometimes it's radiation. Sometimes it's surgery radiation. Sometimes it's chemo. Like the the possibilities Mm. of treatment are huge. So it's important that we're not assuming how this is going to go. The other thing is because cancer treatments have evolved so much, a lot of employees can work through their treatment. Mm. So I find a lot of times people assume that they're not going to work. Um, but that is not always the case. So understanding all those pieces of information in the assessment will allow you to take thoughtful action during that time. Um, and then the last one is sort of a rinse and repeat, right? It's really understanding, you know, I mean, I, I do want to mention too, another thoughtful action, you mentioned death, right? Your cousin died and he, I'm assuming he was working. Um, oh, he wasn't maybe at the not. time, no. Okay, okay. <clears throat> So a lot of times, you know, like you said, people drop dead. You mentioned earlier that someone died, you know, motorcycle accident at work and just work was like, ah. and a lot of times um, what happens is some companies will bring in crisis counselors, which are really good. They're really good, but I don't think it's good to bring them in in the beginning. Mm. I think bringing a crisis counselor in for several weeks at a certain four or five hour thing for a day, a period of time is really helpful because grief doesn't show up on time. Yeah, Grief doesn't show up, you know, like, oh, it's Wednesday and um, I feel very upset. So I'm going to cry, cry, cry now. And it's all good. So I, I recommend that people bring in um, grief counselors then. And there's so much more you can do. I recommend the organizations hold their own memorial service mm. because oftentimes organizations will show up at the funeral of the person who died. And it's fantastic. You know, as, as a person who, you know, watched the whole school show up for my husband, it was so moving and so touching but the school still had to grieve. Mm. They had to be, they had to walk past his office every day, right? They had to see it going from full to being completely empty. Then they had to see someone else take over that office. So there's a grieving process and oftentimes um, companies don't take the time to acknowledge that. And it's really, you can hold a memorial surface about the person you can ask people to speak and you can have lots of tissues around and it can be, you know, a certain time during, you know, you set up a time and you can put together a slide deck. I mean, there's so many things you can do and that signals to the organization, to the employees, Hey, you know what, this person is really missed. And it also signals to them that I matter right? Because if I die, people are going to miss me here in this office. And this is how they show that recognition. Um, so it can really do a lot. I mean, it sounds horrible, but it can do a lot for your employee engagement.
0: Yeah. Um, that that particular example, um, where, um, we lost a, a co-worker in, in an accident. Um, the the company had a, a very, very large grounds um, where where they're located and they ended up putting a little monument on the grounds with some bench seats so that people could go and sit and just oh. be with her, which was lovely because you'd be sitting there working away and you'd see someone out on the seat and you'd be like, yep, there was Tiffany. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. it was yeah. a, lovely, yeah, thing so yeah. Yeah, a mm. lovely thing to do. Yeah.
1: sweet. Yeah, that's a lovely thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's so much more that companies can do. They just don't think about it. And it's, and you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that happens, you know, it happens. And then, and then people don't think that this is a necessary part of it. And then they, when they hear me, they're like, oh, I
0: wish we had had you here, Mm.
1: you know, because they saw the productivity. I was, I was um, talking to a friend of mine who leads a Fairly large sales team, and one of her lead people died, and this is years ago. And she she did call me and say, "Hey, you know what do I say to the family?" But we didn't talk about the effect on the business. And she watched the sales of the team drop, mm. and sort of like in this panic of like, "We've got to make these numbers, y'all. We got to, you know." But people were feeling the loss of this key member. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's just important that we walk through this, and we have these. Look, it takes courage to have, to walk up to someone and to acknowledge their loss. It takes courage to walk up to a team and say, you know what, y'all, I miss him too.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it takes, this is, this is not a game for, this is not a thing to do. If, um, this isn't a thing for everybody, which is unfortunate, but this is, it does, it takes courage to do these things and to have these, you know, systems in place at work so that you can really help your employees. Um, There's a fear that we'll just never, you know, the person will always, you know, never stop crying, Mm. (laughs) and and they do, they do stop crying at some point. It just may not be today.
0: Mm. Yeah, and you know, I mean, when any anyone or even our pets die, that can be um, also really tough as well. Uh, Another thing I've recently been through, but um, you know, I I also had that happen to a friend of mine, and, and they're on the other side of the world, and I was like, "What do you say?" You know, like I can completely imagine what she's going through, and I, you know, instead of it being a negative or a horrible experience, I tried to turn it into a positive one. And right. I said, you know, yep. every ending is a new beginning.
1: Yeah, yep, yep.
0: Exactly. And it changed the whole mindset of it. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, mm. and and that absolutely can. You know, I think it's just making sure that that person. You know, I think it. I I think what you said is great. Um, and you know, and some people don't like that because mm. sometimes it feels like, you know, I had someone tell me a couple, it was a couple months after my husband died. They said, you know what, Kim, you really shouldn't worry. You're attractive, you're young, you can get remarried. Oh. And and they meant they meant it as like, don't be so sad. Like they meant it as like, it's gonna be okay, like you have all like to kind of point out that in the future these great things can happen for me again but it was, but it was mean, you know, it wasn't wasn't nice (laughs) because I was like, oh, that's my problem. I just need not to focus on the fact that my husband is dead. The one I married for 14 years, I need to just remember that I can get married again, you know? And, um, and, and some, and the, and the, that that she put in the attractive part was sort of like, mm. so if I wasn't attractive, I couldn't get <laughs> married again. Like, like what exactly is that? Like that's a, that, that I should feel better because of that. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of, it, it's meeting them where they are, which is hard, mm. which is hard.
0: Mm. And, you know, you were you were talking about the little things that we can do for people that are quite specific and you don't have to do them every day. You don't have to do them every week. You just have to yes. do something. Um, yes. which is where we go to the 100 Acts of Love. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yes. So I um, I wrote the book, but I call it 100 Acts of Love is because every time people showed up at our door with something or took the kids or drove art somewhere or came to visit him it was like a little act of love that's mm-hmm. what it felt like it felt like they were saying we love you here's lasagna we love you we're taking your kids to the movies on friday we love you we're coming to visit art we love you right it just it just felt that way and so i thought that's going to be the title of the book and I don't know about you, Bindi, but I don't like, like, I'm a bullet point queen. Like, give me bullet point underline. (laughs) (laughs) Get to the point. I don't want to (laughs) read. Exactly. Get to the point. Like, you know. And so I wrote it with that in mind. And so every act of love is really very simple. And the idea is you could pick up the book, you'd be like, oh my gosh, my friend has, my cousin has cancer. What do I do? You open the book, and the book says, buy them a gas card and you you close the book, you go out the door and you go get a gas card and you drop it off. It's meant to be very immediate. Most mm-hmm. of the tips in there are things that anyone can do fairly quickly. Right. Um, I also organized it in a way that it's, it's by chapter. So we all think we know how to help with food and that is bring a meal, But there are so many other ways you can help with food. So there's a whole chapter about helping with food when someone has kids. Right. I had children when my husband was sick. And so there's a bunch of things you can do with kids because people often don't know what to say to the kids. And sometimes they ask, how's your dad? And my daughter was like, I don't want to talk about my dad. I'm here to play. Mm. You know, and so there's other things you can do with children that will engage that will help the family with the kids, like sign them up for camp or, you know, helping teenagers, helping them, helping them make something for the sick, sick person in the family. Um, there's things you can do at work. There's things you can do to help celebrate holidays. There's things you can do with car help. Um, one of my favorite things that my neighbor did for me, and I tell the story all the time because it's, it was such a beautiful gift. My, my neighbor, my neighbor's name was, my neighbor's name was Nate. And one day Nate wandered up to the house and knocked on the door And thank God I was in a place where I felt like I could open it. And he said, hey, when was the last time the oil was changed in your car? And I was like, I have no idea. I couldn't even tell him if it needed to be changed. I couldn't tell him if the light had changed, if there was a little percentage thing, nothing. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, leave the keys in the mailbox, text me, and then I'll come get the car tomorrow. And I'll change the oil. And I was like, okay, great. So I left the keys in the mailbox. And the the reason this is so key is because one of the hardest things about being someone who needs help is you have to accept help, right? Mm. Like we're all, you know, when I do this and I say, how many of you are good at accepting help? I mean, you know, how many good at giving help? Like 90% of the room raises their hand. How many of you are good at accepting help? You get like 2%. Yeah. Because people are like, yeah, I'm Oh, I'm the only one, you know, so most of us are not good at accepting help and we so want to help, but we forget on the other uh, side of us wanting to help. There's someone who has to accept help. Mm. So when he put the, when he told me to put the keys in the mailbox He made it so that I didn't have to like feel embarrassed that I didn't get the oil changed because in regular times I could have gone and get the oil changed, but I was under a great amount of stress Mm. and changing the oil was like there, but not top priority. So I get back. I, the next day Actually, later on that day, um, you know, the car is dropped off because it's in the driveway and I get getting the kids outside and I look at the car and I start to cry and I get in the car and I'm sobbing because he had had the car washed inside and out, which, you know, in L.A., it's a big deal. And it, if you have children, it's a big deal. And when I turn the car on, he had filled it with gas. So not only had he had the oil change, but he just took it upon himself to do this other stuff. And I didn't realize that this was weighing on me until after it wasn't weighing on me. So it was one of those really simple daily tasks that you have to take care of. Getting gas in the car is something you have to take care of. But when you're in crisis, doing that simple, easy, daily thing is huge. It takes and it Extra, extra energy. And he just simply took care of that for me. So I didn't have to think about it. And so when I talk about like taking those little steps, this book is made up of those little things. Um, You know, around the holidays, if they celebrate Christmas, offer to help put up the Christmas tree Mm. or offer to take it down, right? What's their birthday celebrations like? You know, we have we had a bur- thing we did at birthdays, and you know, so offer to help with that. Um, so that's how I sort of. I'm going to back up for a second. That's sort of how I arranged the book with the idea that you could open it to any chapter, or if you're like, "Hey, I'm my super my super helping power is cars." Great, there's a whole chapter about all the little things you can do with cars, right? If you live someplace where there's a lot of rain, changing offer to change windshield wipers or to check to make sure they need to be changed is a gift. Mm. And it's simple and it maybe will take you an hour if you have to take the car someplace.
0: Can I just say God bless Nate? (laughs) Um, Because, you know, just the approach as well, you know, just leave the keys in the mailbox, um, left it to you to make that decision whether you wanted that help. Yes. And, and in a way that wasn't in your face, that you had complete control of that situation. Yes. Um, Yes. I love that. I absolutely love that. And then just maxing it out when it's returned. I was just like, God bless Nate.
1: (laughs) God bless Nate. Amen. God bless Nate. I actually have to give him a call. I haven't talked to him in a while.
0: Yes. Well, tell him for me, God bless him. I will. Um, <laughs> now, Kim, I, I know I could sit and talk to you all day and, and I think pretty soon we'll probably do that. Um, I'm but, excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if people want to find out more about you and get in touch, where can they go?
1: Sure. So I know at the beginning I mentioned one thing, never to say, and I actually have this free download that lists four other things never to say to anybody with cancer, but it doesn't only do that, but it also tells you why not to say them. So from there, you can sort of, you don't have to say what I'm telling you to say. You can figure out your own thing to say. So if you're interested in getting that free download, people can go to 100actsoflove.com and that's the number 100 backslash what not to say. No spaces, no capitals, just what not to say. Um, I, um, they can also visit me on my website at 100xoflove.com. They can purchase the book there. They can purchase the book on Amazon. And unfortunately, sorry, everybody in Brisbane and New Zealand and Australia, it's not available overseas yet, but you can get a copy of the ebook. So that is available. And, um, also please reach out to me and find me on LinkedIn. Um, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be relaunching my LinkedIn lives. So if you have a question anything, you have any question about how do you, what do you say to your coworker? What do you say to your employee? What do you say to your boss? Whatever it is, please go ahead and DM me. And I promise you that I will cover that question on my LinkedIn life. I will not use your name. It'll be anonymity.
0: Amazing. Oh, Kim, every workplace needs someone like you. Can I just say? Oh, thank
1: you, <laughs> Vindi. That's so sweet.
0: Now i got the last big question for you. What's the change mm-hmm. you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life?
1: I really want, at the heart of this, is people understanding that they matter. And I think sometimes, I'll talk about myself, sometimes I forget. I think about all the things that I've done wrong and the mistakes that I've made and how I didn't call that friend on her birthday, right? And so they pile up and then I think that I don't matter. I think that I'm not important. And I am not here doing what I do because I'm super strong or courageous, or I got through my husband's death, or I was able to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. I am here simply because people who thought that they mattered, that one little action step, could help, showed up. And so I'm literally, you know, I'm digging, I'm drinking from a well that I didn't dig. Um... And I want everyone to feel, anyone who's going through a crisis like this, to feel that kind of love. What you do, no matter how small it is, makes a difference. And so that's the thing. That's the one thing I want everyone in the world to know. When you are on this earth, you matter. And how you, what you say and what you do and how you show up really matters and has an effect on somebody else.
0: Oh, and that's exactly why you're here, Kim, because the whole mission behind this show is is basically to spread that collective change. Because if we all do our bit, bit by bit, um, all we're going to do is start and it can be small. And if we all Absolutely. do it, then this is where we get a bigger change.
1: Absolutely. 100%. So thank you, Bindi, for what you do. I love listening to your podcast. I can't wait to go back and listen to some more.
0: Thank you so much. Kim, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the Ethical Evolution. Thank you so much.
1: Bindi, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I really appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. If you're a working professional wondering what's next for your career, you've come to the right place. Whether you're looking for a promotion, growth, or a potential career transition, look no further. With over 30 years working in a variety of industries, I share my insider knowledge with those ready to get ahead on. Career Advancement with Craig Ansel. Tune in to get your strategies for success.
1: cast.